And so she fundamentally changed the way that I thought about birth and that I thought about motherhood and that I thought about myself. Welcome to What You Didn't Expect in Fertility, Pregnancy, and Birth. How we think and feel about this enormous transition often lives in the gap between what we expected and what we actually experienced. This gap exists in part because of how we tend to talk about and portray these events on all kinds of media. In a one-dimensional way, everything was amazing, but it's more often the case that there are beautiful things that happen and at the same time, really challenging things that happen. This show shares true experiences, both the easy parts and the difficult parts, and how we managed what we didn't expect. The intense things that can happen in the course of this transition can impact how you see yourself, how you see your partner, and how you parent. The better we understand what happened to us, the better we can manage all the things that follow. I'm your host, Paulette Kamenica. I'm a writer and an economist and the mother of two girls, and I met many, many challenges in this process, none of which I expected. This week, I finished my conversation with Susie. She shares how the second birth felt like a redemption of the first one and all the things she did between the first and second births to make that outcome more likely. We pick up where we left off last week. Susie has spent hours contracting and waiting, and ultimately her stalled labor leads to a C-section. She's now been left in the recovery room by herself with little sense of where her husband and new baby are. I'm yeah. shaking. My whole body is shaking in reaction to the medication. And nobody reassures me. Nobody says, oh, yeah, a lot of this is very normal. Breathe through it. Let me like help you focus your mind, help you find a sense of safety in, in this. And then after the surgery, they recover. They wheel me into the, the recovery room and they turn the light out. And they just leave me there for three hours. Oh, my God. So I think there was a nurse that walked in and out and peeked on me sometimes, but she never really spoke to me. I truly did not know if I was okay or if Zoe was okay. So, like, I didn't know why they left the OR, where they went or what was going on. So I was just alone with a lot of fear, a lot of worry. I guess my body was kind of slowly stabilizing by the time that Zoe came back. I Well, I do remember Zach, her dad, put her on my chest at that time. And I remember there was this immediate sense of relief. And the shaking dissipated very soon after that. And I think her being connected to me, feeling her body on mine, was really soothing and re rebalancing to my body. That I was able to come to a norm that I wasn't before. Yeah, this sounds like a continuation of the poor communication that that yes. <laughs> led you into the hospital, right? I'm so sorry. That sounds really scary. Yeah, it was. It was not a good experience at all. And so after she was born, I was like, not not ever going to do it again. <laughs> I figured I had my one kid and and that was that was that. And so obviously that changed at some point. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? So we actually moved when Zoe was very little. We moved to Portland. And when we moved to Portland, I joined a mom's group called Hike a Baby because I was in this place. I had no family, no friends, knew nobody. So I had to get out and go. You know, I couldn't be isolated by myself all day. And one of the friends that I met there was a midwifery student. So it was pretty much every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday we were going hiking and there was kind of a core group of us that were there almost all of those days. And as we became friends, as our friendship grew, 
all of her stories revolved around her families. And I started realizing things could have gone very different. You know, even with my water breaking, even if I had surgery, even if, you know, things had gone differently, if I had had providers that were tuned into me and had given me the care that I deserved, I could have had a very different experience. And so she helped me. She was the first person that ever helped me. You know how I said I had that fear up kind of in a box and I had built my bubble of peace and I had, uh, you know, I had tried to cope with, with my feelings, my sense of fear, my sense of loss, my, all those things, but they had kind of been inaccessible to me in a way. And just slowly over time, she was able to kind of open that Pandora's box and start taking things out and helping me examine them and ask questions and process the feelings. And so she fundamentally changed the way that I thought about birth and that I thought about motherhood and that I thought about myself and that I thought about, you know, what even what are my rights during the birthing process and how should I be treated and you know, what's the difference between going through something and having things go wrong versus going through this birth and expecting things to go right while also being appropriately monitored and having treatment available if needed. So eventually I did feel ready to have another baby and I did, I always wanted a big family. And so I did, yeah, eventually it took, it took a few years, but we did have another one. <laughs> and so you said in the beginning that it was easy to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been very lucky where I think it took maybe two, maybe three months with Hazel. Okay, so. good. And, and is that pregnancy easier because you know kind of what pregnancy is about? Yeah. Her pregnancy was really lovely because I was in this space of healing and growth, transformation, respect. We had actually moved again up here to Seattle. And so my friend had helped me find a midwife and I chose to do a home birth with Hazel. And I had the most fantastic midwife in the entire world. Our prenatals were about an hour, sometimes two hours long. And she would talk me through every single concern I had. And then I did a a consult with an OB. So if I did have to transfer or risked out at any time, to the hospital, I would know whose care I was going to. It was just so, it was so different to have very respectful care. I also had a great doula who she just inspired me in so many ways to believe in myself and to believe that I was capable and that the birth process was was a normal part of life and a natural part of life. And it was okay if it was also hard and it was okay if it was also scary. And she almost taught me how to communicate about those feelings in a way that I didn't really have before. That sounds amazing and transformative. And and are you still in finance in Seattle? No, no, no. I'm a doula now. I left finance. You left that, but but when you're pregnant, have you become a Juliet or no? No. No. After Zoe was born and we moved to Portland. I did stay home. I was a stay-at-home mother. And then when we moved to Seattle, I nannied for a year because I was going crazy and needed something to do. But I don't know. My family wasn't supportive of me going back to work. And 
childcare is so expensive here. Even if you do go back and you start back at the beginning, because it's been a few years, you know, there's, there's a lot of trade-offs. So I, I had a nanny job for a while while I was here. And I still, I led some Hega baby groups here as well. So I stayed involved with that mom's group. I helped kind of raise the chapter here. I don't know how well they made it through COVID though, but yeah. Fair. So I stayed yeah. active, but I did, I did leave the intense world of finance. It's a lot easier to prep for birth when you're not working 50 hours a week. So yes, totally. I don't totally. know. It was definitely a very different vibe during, during Hazel's pregnancy. It was very, you know, a lot of yoga, a lot of walking, a lot of getting together with friends. There was a VBAC group, support group here that I went to pretty regularly. Yeah, I was, I think I actually did have a bubble of peace with Hazel (laughs) in a very positive way, not this artificial bubble that I built, but oh, this is this very healing space in my life. Yeah, the first one sounds like a bubble, damn it. And the second one sounds like yeah. a bubble. Yeah. 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 Good. Okay. So coming up to the birth, you're planning a home birth in water. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And then and then take us to the day. What what happens the day she's born? Yeah, super easy, very different. I wake up in the morning, nine oh nothing's really seems different in the morning. <laughs> About nine o'clock, I feel my first contraction. I'm like, oh, that was really strong. I guess it was a little bit earlier than that because I did have Zach drop Zoe off at a friend's house on the way. And I called Dr. Brandy because I had an appointment with her. Um, She was also, yeah, she's a naturopathic doctor and midwife. So she's very skilled. I always call her Dr. Brandy because I always had Zoe with me at the appointments and she'd listen with the stethoscope and always, you know, do it, do it. Brandy did. Um, but I did have Zach sweep Zoe off to a friend's house on his way to work. And I called her and I was like, I don't know if this is labor, but I don't think I'm getting in my car today and driving to you. And she was like, that's okay. I'll come to you instead. And then I called labor picked up very quickly. I was expecting to have that long early labor time. And I was expecting to have time to kind of like, when you do a home birth, you put plastic under your sheets so that, you know, you can just throw everything away after you make your bed in a special way where you do sheets, plastic sheets, so that you can throw the top layer off and crawl into your super clean bed after. Yeah. So I thought I was going to have time to do that, which I didn't. One of my friends called me and was like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm in labor and I can't, you know, I had all the stuff I was going to do to prep. And she was like, okay, I'm on my way. So she came over and she did some of that little prep stuff for me while I kind of worked through contractions. My doula came over at some point. Someone came over um, and set up an aqua doula tub, which are, they're kind of like indoor. They look like big hot tubs you put inside and they're heated. So once you fill them up, they stay warm. Eventually I got in the tub, got out, went for a walk, came back. At this point, everybody was here, my midwife, her assistant, my doula. My doula did this weird hip release thing on me, and I fell asleep during contractions, which was really weird. I was in this, almost felt like being in an alternate reality. She's just rubbing my leg, and I'm like, oh, that feels so good. And I totally zone out for, I have no idea how long. After that, I get up, go for another walk, come back. Brandy decided, I would 
like seven centimeters. And she, I can't remember. She broke my water for some reason, which we had a great conversation about before and I felt comfortable with. And then that immediately put me into transition. I got in the tub. I had about three contractions that were so big. I literally thought I was going to break in half and I didn't know if I was okay. And I remember Zach was in front of me and I remember holding my hand and helping me breathe. And I remember looking past him and looking at Tiffany and she just smiled, the biggest smile I've ever seen. And she just had this look of like, yes, this is how it's supposed to be. And I thought in my head, okay, this is it. And then I just had those really three big contractions that were the only time where I really felt like felt fear or that I want to escape from this. And then I switched to having the urge to push, which felt much better. It took me a long time to push Hazel out. It did take me four hours of pushing. She was 10 pounds pounds. and she had her hand like up above her, you know, up by her face. Her hand came out first, but it was just so lovely. When she was born, Brandy did this little scoop thing where she just scooped Hazel out of the water and put her on my chest. And so I'm just sitting there in the tub, still super relaxed. We had a Sheeran playing and candles lit. And Zach had been putting this ice rag on my head between contractions. And it smelled like, I think, bergamot or something like that. It was just so lovely. And I'm just sitting there looking at Hazel while she takes her first breath. And she was so calm. She took a breath. She cried for five seconds and then she just like (laughs) sighed that and just stared at me. And (laughs) Dr. Brandy just stood right behind me and Tiffany was right behind me, you know, watching to make sure everything was okay. We probably stayed like that for five or 10 minutes and then they helped me get out. We moved to the bed where I delivered the placenta, cut the cord, did all the weighing and the baby evals and things like that. And it was just... It was exhausting, but it was so dreamy and so lovely. That sounds amazing. And it does sound like there's so much more comfort involved. Yeah. Like you're the center of that operation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I had had so much support in preparing that truly I had opened the Pandora's box of fear and I had people that took took me through the process of let's take everything in that box out, examine it, and work through it, right? Instead of just trying to pretend that it doesn't exist. And so when I felt the first contractions, the only thing I was was excited. You know, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about Hazel's life. I wasn't worried about my life. I knew I was safe. I knew I knew what would happen. And, you know, if you think about any emergency that could possibly happen during birth. What if her shoulders get stuck? What if I hemorrhage? What if this happens? What if that happens? You know, we had talked through all of those things. So there wasn't like, okay, if I need them, I get there. What if I have a uterine rupture? How do we call 911? How do we get to the hospital? Luckily, you know, I was five minutes away from a hospital. So by the time an OR could be prepped, I could be there anyways. And I had a lot of comfort and confidence that. And I don't know. It was just so different starting the labor process from a place of having that positive expectation instead of having, you know, fear fear and anxiety and pressure. And even though I chose a natural birth, at that point, it had changed from expectations 
of me to something that I wanted to try, but I was totally okay if I transferred to the hospital, right? There wasn't, I had kind of let go of this is what's expected of me. It was more about, well, I want to look at what I need and what I want, and I'll do that first. Then if my needs change, I'll do that. So very Um, different. That sounds amazing and very healing given the first one. So so is this second experience of birth what led you to become a doula? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it was the birth itself or the process that Brandy and Tiffany had brought me through of getting to a place where I could be that calm and that accepting and that, you know, just in step with the process of this is the dance of life and I'm going to dance with it and I'm going to enjoy it and have fun and let it serve me and let it heal me and let it let myself grow through it. That sounds amazing. That sounds awesome. So two questions. What would you say you've learned from your own experience? And would you say you've learned something else from being a doula with respect to this whole process? Yeah. You know, I think my process, my birth experiences, I, my feelings about them have changed a lot over the years because there are the feelings I had when I went through them. There's the feelings I had after them. And then there's the feelings I've had as I've witnessed other women go through the process. And so I think that at times in my life, you know, when I didn't take a childbirth course because that resulted in, in fights at home, right? You know, things like that. At, at sometimes I was like really angry about myself for that. Cause I was like, why didn't I have boundaries? Why didn't I speak up for myself? Why didn't I? There were a lot of ways where I didn't really have a voice, I think, in my first experiences. And I think that came out in a lot of ways. And I think through Hazel's birth, I really developed my voice. But that was only in those situations. And I was very fortunate that I was able to connect with very, very supportive and be almost in this bubble of support. And that I see now as a huge privilege because that was not available to me in my first birth, right? I had started with them. It wasn't that I chose a midwife over an OB. I had started with a midwife and they ignored me when I was really sick during that molar pregnancy. And so I think that I had a different awareness of what was out there and willingness to go find it. But for people that don't have that friend they hike with for a year where they hear all these stories and have this chance to have their mind almost like taken apart and put back together. It's it's hard because you have the resources you have and you have to make do with what you have. And I think sometimes that can be very hard. And so I think the number one thing I've learned is to have compassion in the story, compassion for yourself. And to be okay with the fact that birth is a learning experience. And especially the first time, we learn so much about what we need. We learn about oftentimes, you know, people like me who haven't had tools for anxiety or for support or, you know, sometimes that is revealed to us for the first time and we go through something really hard. And it can feel like it's our fault and it's not. So I just, I think that we have to have compassion for ourselves and there's so much we can't control. Like my stories 
worked out beautifully. My second labor was dreamy, but not everybody that prepares that same way. If you have preeclampsia or, you know, things could change. Things could have happened in my story. My water didn't break the second time. Um, you know, it was just a different story. And I think we have to hold that lens of, of comparison back because it's really easy to be too hard on ourselves when we really did a great job and something that was really hard. It really was just that hard. That sounds amazing. You sound like you're everyone's goal for a doula. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that is like a, a such a broad perspective that people usually don't have in the moment where they are angry with themselves for the way things turned out, even though your actual control over the circumstance is so limited. Yeah. Yeah. Birth is so complex and there are so many factors in play to pretend that we can control everything. And it's, you know, it feels good, but it doesn't, it doesn't ultimately help us. Yeah. It's probably not accurate. So, so yes. do you have something that you tell your doula clients in general at the beginning of the process when you meet them? I made my childbirth course for my clients because I felt like what I needed to teach couldn't be taught in one meeting. It is a process and it is, and different people need different things, right? If you have a lot of anxiety, I do think that the meditating and learning about birth can be really helpful to address that because it can give you language for what you're experiencing and what you're about to go through. I think we also have to be very careful with our childbirth expectation be education because we can set expectations that sometimes aren't real. Right. Yeah. So my overall message is we need to figure out what your needs are in this situation. And when you look at you and you look at a hundred other women, you are going to be unique. And then we need to figure out what your goals are and then build a path to help you get there. I think, I don't know. I, I really believe in individualized care. And I think that the, the most important thing that I, I help my clients with is developing the communication skills to be able to ask for, receive, and know what that individualized care looks like to them and, and how to get it. One thing I love about your story is that you are creating the support for people that you didn't have. The first time, but I did the second time. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I had people that taught me along the way. I, I totally agree. You know, all credit to the people who took care of you on the second one, but but there is something in your ability to accept all that and translate it and make it into something that you can give to other people. Still really, really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it is. And when you go through an experience that's so healing on the back end of something that's so damaging, it, I don't know, it lights a spark and a passion in you. That's, you know, I love what I do. I feel like I'm one of the happiest people I know. And, you know, I love that my girls see me doing something I love. Because for so long, I was taught, be a stay-at-home mother. Otherwise, which my best friend is a stay-at-home mother, and I couldn't do this without her because she takes care of my girls when I get called, right, if they need to be picked up at, at three. And so I do have so much respect for both paths. But it is like I love, I love that I get to kind of unwrite some of those things that I was taught, hopefully, for my own girls. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Where can people find you? 
My website is shebirdsbravely.com. I'm also on Instagram. We have a fun quiz on our website. What does your birth plan say about your personality? That we have that kind of tells you a little bit about, okay, based on your priorities and the things you want and the feelings you have about birth, these are your strengths. And these are the places where you might run into conflict with somebody else. And you might need to communicate a little bit more clearly. I, I think it's a really, I make all my, all my clients, I don't make them take the quiz, but I ask them all the questions. So I know where they're coming from, but it gives a very strong, you know, we're so unique. And I think one of the things I didn't know is that not everybody around me would think the same way, right? And even in one practice or even in one group, care group or hospital, you're going to have people that have wildly different beliefs about birth. And I can say that I truly believe good care is available everywhere. I know for me, it's really easy to look at Zoe's birth and say, well, if I just chose a different place, maybe things would have been different. And that's probably true. But I've also worked with moms that have been extraordinarily high risk and have had babies that were high risk. So they had to walk into the hospital with the biggest NICU with every freaking thing just in case. And I can tell you those are also the hospitals here in Seattle that have the highest C-section rates. But if you find the right provider there, you will get exceptional care, even if the average care there is a bit chaotic, like what I experienced. So it's all about communication and holding those strong expectations for those around you and being willing to go to another provider if if you need to. Awesome. That's such good advice. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and so appreciate. feel like we learn so much more from other people's stories than we do from often a book. So yeah. thank you. Agreed. Agreed. Thanks so much to Susie for sharing both the hard parts and the wonderful parts of her two births and how her re-education about birth both led to a much more satisfying experience and opened her eyes to a career change that has led her away from finance and into the birth world as a doula. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. We'll be back next week with another inspiring story.